You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, the first day of February 2022. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Coming up after the BBC headlines... The Omicron surge seems to be declining in most of California, as Governor Gavin Newsom hints at a plan for when pandemic becomes endemic. Also on the California Report, the Employment Development Department gets new leadership and support for fast food workers makes legislative progress. Paul Emery talks economic policy with Gary Zimmerman, and Mark Cuniberti is here with Money Matters. This is the California Report, and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. After a big spike, COVID cases are now falling in California. KQED health reporter Leslie McClurg reports. In the past week, more than 65,000 people tested positive in California, which is a lot. But that's almost half as many as two weeks ago. And hospitalizations have decreased by about 5%. The other thing is the hospitalized patients were not as sick. They didn't require as much oxygen. Dr. Warner Green is a virologist at the Gladstone Institute in San Francisco. He says Omicron cases were not as severe as previous waves. The ICUs were not as full, not not as many people required intubation. He says the main issue hospitals continue to deal with is staffing shortages. But the situation is improving. Epidemiologists predict case tallies will likely hit pre-surge levels by mid to late February. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. And Governor Newsom says he's also encouraged by the improving COVID numbers in the state. During a news conference yesterday, Newsom said state health officials are now working on a new plan of action. In the next couple of weeks, we will be releasing that endemic plan. How we live with the virus, how we address and live with the surges, what we've learned, what protocols we encourage to be in place, and how we believe we'll process things moving forward. Now, the governor didn't elaborate on details of that plan, so it's unclear what restrictions might be lifted once it's implemented. In other COVID news, starting today, people who are vaccinated and boosted can take off their masks in certain indoor spaces in San Francisco. KQED's Alex Hall reports. The new rule says anyone who's fully vaccinated can go maskless in places like gyms, offices, college classes, and religious services. Those are places where consistent groups get together, and it's easier to know everyone is vaccinated. San Francisco Health Officer Dr. Susan Phillip says that while the Omicron surge isn't over, the county's models do not project a significant increase in serious illness. We're moving from the emergency stage of the pandemic into really trying to see what it looks like to to live with COVID. People who are unvaccinated but have a religious or medical exemption will also be able to gather indoors if they can show proof of a negative test and wear a mask. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hall. But while San Francisco is relaxing its mask rules, L.A. County's mask mandate remains in place. KPCC's Jackie Fortier has more. 
Everyone over the age of two must wear a mask indoors, regardless of vaccination status. The mandate will only be lifted if cases, hospitalizations, and transmission hit a low benchmark under county criteria put in place last fall. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. Our vaccination coverage rate is really uh, coming close to the threshold we established, which was 80 percent. We're just about there for children 12 and older. Really, you know, what drives a lot of it is, is getting transmission down to a very low level. County health officials are facing pressure to ease the indoor mask mandate from Supervisor Catherine Barger. L.A. County's new COVID cases and hospitalizations are falling as the Omicron surge appears to be declining, though over the last week, the county has averaged more than 19 thousand new cases per day. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. State lawmakers' most recent attempt to create a single-payer health system that would have provided coverage to all Californians is now dead. With more, here's KQED health correspondent April Domboski. Knowing it was doomed, Assemblymember Ash Kalra decided not to put his bill up for a vote. This angered the California Nurses Association, the union that has championed single-payer for years. They wanted to see who was willing to go on the record with a vote for it and who wasn't. Opponents of the bill said letting it die averted the chaos that would have been caused by dismantling the current health system and replacing it with a new, untested one. While the legislative effort is over this year, there is a state commission convened by the governor that is still exploring options for single payer. They'll issue a report in the spring. For the California Report, I'm April Domboski. Today, a new director will be sworn in to head the state's Employment Development Department, or EDD. That's the agency that's faced a barrage of criticism for paying out billions in fraudulent unemployment claims, while legitimate applicants struggle to get the help they were due. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has the story. Incoming director Nancy Farias came to EDD in 2020 and has been a frontline defender of the agency as the department grappled with unprecedented unemployment claims during the pandemic. In January of 2020, California's unemployment was the lowest it had been since the late 80s at under 4%. By April, it had skyrocketed to over 15%. The EDD had faced criticism for its outdated technology and lack of preparedness as far back as the Great Recession, but had still not made promised improvements when the pandemic hit more than a decade later. EDD has also confirmed it paid out at least $20 billion in fake claims in the midst of the surge in applications. While unemployment rates have dropped considerably, there are still crucial changes needed to ensure the agency will be ready for the next crisis. Farius will be the third person to step into the director role since the beginning of the pandemic. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. A bill that would create a new commission to set pay and working conditions in California's fast food industry won approval in the state assembly yesterday. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarotti has more. 
The idea of regulating minimum wages and workplace rules for fast food workers was rejected in the state assembly last year. Some Democrats like Hayward Assemblyman Bill Quirk are still opposed to an unelected commission setting standards. I just don't think having a separate set of regulations for the fast food industry is the way to do it. But as fast food workers struggle to unionize, East Bay Democratic Assemblywoman Mia Bonta says it's time for the state to step in and help vulnerable workers. Fast food workers were always essential, and the pandemic has brought that more into stark relief as they've continued to serve our communities through a global pandemic. The bill now heads to the state Senate. For The California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. And that is the California Report for Tuesday, February 1st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. As always, thanks so much for listening and have a great day. In regional news, Ubinet.com reports this afternoon that on Monday, the County of Nevada filed petitions in Nevada County Superior Court for workplace restraining orders against three Nevada County residents who allegedly forced their way into the elections office on January 20th. The petitions request restraining orders against Tana Rebane Kenny, Chip Mattoon, and Jacqueline Mattoon. The protected parties are assistant clerk recorder Natalie Adona and Suzanne Harden, an administrative assistant in the clerk recorder's office. The court documents describe the three individuals as proponents of an effort to recall the county supervisors. The documents state that elections office employees fear for their safety and are concerned, according to one declaration, that the recall supporters will force their way into the office and act out violently. The declaration by Assistant Clerk Recorder Adona states, If respondents are restrained by the court from coming near me and the office, the office will ensure that respondents will be able to conduct any business they have with the office, including the recall, through remote means such as the telephone, email, and physical drop boxes. This office does not want to interfere with respondents' legitimate activities. It only seeks to protect its employees from intimidation and the threat of physical violence they currently feel. In other news, Nevada County reported 119 new COVID-19 cases today. 4,122 active cases were reported, 109 more than the previous day. 31 people were hospitalized locally today with COVID-19. Would you like your voice to be heard? Public opinion is being sought on two projects in our region. The Tahoe National Forest has released their proposal for the Pines to Mines Trail Project for public input. The multi-use trail would be 68 miles long and connect Nevada City to Truckee. The Tahoe National Forest is gathering public comment on the project online through February 24th. The other project out for comment is the ongoing Highway 49 corridor plan, which is being developed by Caltrans. The department is seeking public comment by February 15th about ways to improve travel on Highway 49 between Auburn and Grass Valley. More info is at Highway. That's hwy49corridorplan.com. Turning to regional weather, our dry, mild pattern continues with daytime temperatures warming through the weekend. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear with a low of 37 degrees. Wednesday, sunny with a high of 56 and a low of 43. In Truckee tonight, clear with a low of 9 degrees. Wednesday in Truckee, mainly sunny with a high of 32 and a low of 9. A lake wind advisory is in effect for Lake Tahoe through 4 p.m. Wednesday, with east winds of 15 to 25 miles per hour and gusts of up to 35 miles per hour. In Sacramento this evening, 
clear with a low of 42 and north-northwest winds of 10 to 20 miles per hour. Wednesday in Sacramento, sunny with a high near 60, a low of 38, and north-northwest winds of 15 to 25 miles per hour with higher wind gusts possible. Next up, KVMR's Paul Emery ranges far and wide as he picks the brain of Gary Zimmerman about all things economic, the blazing rebound in gross domestic product, the warming labor market, and the future of inflation rates and mortgage rates. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. Well, hello, Gary. Um, welcome back to KVMR. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about economic numbers that were published last week, starting with the strong 2021 GDP figure. And then let's look at the inflation number the Fed follows most closely. What did the Fed policymakers say and do after their meeting last week? And finally, what, where are the interest rates going? in 2022. Okay, Paul. Well, let's start with the growth rate for the U.S. economy as measured by real gross domestic product or, or GDP. That is after you subtract out inflation. So the overall economy produced about 5.7% more goods and services in 2021, according to the preliminary number, uh, than it did in 2020. Um, in 2020, the economy actually shrunk by 3.4%. So 2021 GDP growth is great news. Um, 2021 GDP growth is the fastest annual rate of growth in output for the U.S. since 1984. That's you know very rapid growth for the U.S. economy. It, it usually grows around two percent a year, so 5.7 percent is really fast. So, Gary, was that a surprise? I mean, why do you think the GDP growth was so strong? Well, the growth rate, you know, even slightly exceeded the five and a half percent annual rate of GDP growth that the Fed policymakers were projecting as recently in December. So, you know, 5.7 percent is in the same ballpark as that. So I don't think it was a big surprise. Uh, most of the numbers in the labor markets were strong. Uh, but, you know, one there are two important reasons for the strong GDP growth in 2021 is that the Fed kept interest rates slow uh, as a stimulus and the government spending and rescue programs were helping stimulate the economy and spending. And that was you know, obviously necessary after the severe 2020 COVID recession when over 22 million payroll jobs were lost. So GDP is clearly rebounded. Uh, labor markets are rebounding too. almost 19 million of those jobs have been added back since the COVID recession. So, you know, the other thing is, that helped, I think, the low interest rates and increased government spending programs uh, designed to help the recovery also offset some of the weakness coming from um, the COVID Omicron variant and uh, continued supply chain problems. So, you know, several things going on there. Well, let's talk about inflation and the low unemployment rate. Um, wasn't the December unemployment rate uh, lower than the Fed policymakers were projecting it to be um, for that time? 
Yes, the unemployment rate fell to 3.9% in December. That was quite a bit below the 4.3% year-end unemployment rate that the Fed policymakers were projecting as recently as last December. So, you know, 3.9% unemployment rate is in the range of full employment for the U.S. economy. You know, but, you know, there there is a caveat there in that, you know, several million workers left the labor force after the COVID recession. And, you know, the question is, you know, will some of them return or, you know, when will they return and what will it take to get them to return. Um, There clearly is also evidence of rising wages and compensation. Uh, There's up about 4% uh, for the year as, you know, labor markets have tightened and higher wages are, you know, contributing to the growth and compensation. So that's helped and and it helps with, you know, increasing consumer spending as well. In addition, you know, to the, you know, the supply chain shortages of goods are also putting upward pressure on goods prices. So, you know, when Americans are now spending more on goods during the recovery and less on services, especially areas like restaurants, entertainment and travel, and that, you know, puts upward pressure on manufactured goods prices. Well, Gary, with the GDP growth strong, unemployment low and inflation high, how did the Fed policy change after their monetary policy meeting last month? And how might it affect like people like you and I? Will mortgage <laughs> and interest rates be rising? Yes, after the December policy meeting, the Fed policymakers announced that in 2021 they'd be, you know, taking away some of the stimulus they'd been providing the economy with low interest rates. Um, that December meeting was kind of a heads-up message for the financial markets and and everybody else. Uh, after the January meeting last week, the Fed and Fed Chair Jay Powell's press conference, I think the scope and the timing of the policy changes became much clearer. The Fed will more quickly scale back and end the billions of dollars in bond purchases designed to lower bond and mortgage interest rates, uh, reducing the you know stimulus there. So we should expect to see higher mortgage rates and higher cost of borrowing for you know, longer term borrowing and bond borrowing by corporations. You know, again, um, they're now suggesting, I think, at their March meeting that the uh, the policymakers from the Fed are expected to begin a series of quarter point increases in their short term overnight target interest rates. And, you know, some some folks are thinking maybe four or five increase could be possible for the year or maybe even a 50 basis point or half a percent increase at one some point, depending on how the economy inflation are performing. Uh, higher rates, obviously, will and for the short term rates will affect you know, the economy as well and increase borrowing costs again. So I expect borrowing costs this year will be rising and we'll, you know, that's, that's I think, a given at this point. Well, Gary, it's a lot of information. Uh, uh, thanks you, thank you so much. Um, our listeners really appreciate it and look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Thank you, Paul. You bet. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Reserve in San Francisco and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. On tonight's Money Matters, Mark Cuneberti hashes over the recent carnage in the stock market and wonders if January will set the tone for the rest of the year in investments. Welcome to another Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. The carnage in the markets over the last few weeks have been crushing to investor portfolios January 24th and 25th. 
started hard down, only to end up relatively flat at the end of the day. That said, one day does not make a halt to the event, or should we say two days. Most all indexes have been brutalized in January 2022. The Dow was down 8% off its high when I wrote this newscast, which was about a week and a half ago. The Nasdaq down 15%, the S&P down 10 and the Russell Small Cap a whopping 19%. Investor accounts may be down more or less than those figures, depending on what stocks they held. In the last few days, we have seen a little bit of a rebound, so we'll see what that brings. Some individual stocks that were popular during 2021 were down 50, 60, 70, or even 80% by the end of the month. Take a look at the stay-at-home darling stock Zoom, symbol ZM, obliterated it down 74%. Like other notable stocks, it started its crash much earlier. In fact, Zoom's erosion first lowered its ugly head in October of 2020. Indeed, many popular stay-at-home stocks started the descent late 2020 or early 2021. It's why the indexes may not tell the whole story on what was occurring in the overall market. Investors may be scratching their heads, wondering why their 2021 balances may have lagged upward movement compared to what they saw on the evening news. Why all this happened has been covered in previous articles and news programs here on Money Matters, including but not limited to supply-side shortages, the Omicron variant, and the response to it. Inflation and the Fed's threatening to raise interest rates top that off with the run-up of some stocks whose value went into the realm of the ridiculous, and we had the makings of an accident waiting to happen, and it did. Now we have the Russian thing to worry about, so we'll see how that pans out. The fact that January 2022 brought investor pain is normally not a good sign for the rest of the year. It is said how January goes, so goes the year. It's called the January barometer. Not written in stone, mind you, as no one can predict market movements at any time. But the saying does have some precedent. 20 of the last 24 years, the January effect has been an indication of the performance for the rest of the year. During that time of market crashes, an investor's universe can be quite unpleasant. I've written about how bad it can feel before. Let's just say losing sleep, anxiety, overeating or not eating. Thoughts of losing it all and more run the gamut of the pain felt when savings evaporate in a market crash. When recovery green is finally seen on the screen, however, the relief can feel like newfound love. Investors must be careful during and following crashes. Head fakes are common as our dead cat bounces, meaning what looks like a recovery might just be a blip and an otherwise avalanche yet to continue. After market implosions, don't get too hasty to get back in. This is a time to be prudent and patient. Although many investors don't ever sell, I am of the opinion it's better to miss a top than ride it to the bottom. After all, who's to say how far and long a crash will go or how bad it can be, right? When you do sell, some or all of your positions, however, the buy and hold crowd will usually chime in and remind you the market always comes back. Certainly looking at a chart of the market over the long periods of time, no one could say that assumption is actually wrong. But the fact remains no one, yet no one can know for sure it will always come back. Hence the disclaimer, past performance is no guarantee of future results. After all, if we knew it would always come back, why would we fret, right? But we still do. The fact is, and it is a fact, no one can say the market will always come back. In fact, someday it won't come back, whether it be from the end of mankind or an implosion of the U.S. dollar and economy that wipes the slate clean, it could happen. The chances are slim, for sure, but they are not at zero. If that does occur, losing it all, or most of it, is not an option, at least in my house. I never know which crash will be the crash, and neither does anyone else. Call me crazy or call me overly careful, whatever. All I know is I don't know, and neither does
does anyone else. For now, we keep our eyes fixed on the spring of 2022 and see what unfolds. Be careful out there. I'm watching the markets, so you don't have to. My name is Mark Cunaberti. And remember, the opinions expressed here are my opinions only and not the opinions of this news media, its staff members, or underwriters. And this newscast is not meant as investment advice. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com, where everything is free. I hold California insurance license OL34249, and I'm a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Thanks for listening. That's our newscast. Coming up next, it's an all-new edition of Educationally Speaking. Hosts Scott W. Lay and Kimberly Ewing chat with Nevada Union drama teacher Rob Metcalf about the challenges and successes of producing high school theater in the midst of a COVID surge. At 7, it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. At 8, more of the music you love with Mikhail Graham's The Other Side. And at 10, Rock Outside the Box with Rue Cantata. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. Check out our website, kvmr.org, to hear expanded versions of many of our stories and interviews. Or listen to the KVMR Evening News wherever you get your podcasts. For their support, KVMR thanks Natural Selection, a local mom-and-pop grocery store in downtown Grass Valley. Featuring organic produce, local goods, vitamin selection, also beer and wine. Online shopping with curbside pickup available. NaturalSelectionGrocery.com And all-phase heating and air conditioning. Family-owned and operated for over 20 years. Reminding listeners of the importance of servicing heating and filtration systems. Located on South Auburn Street in Grass Valley. AllPhaseComfort.com This is Joyce Miller wishing you a safe Tuesday evening as we head into Black History Month and the Lunar New Year.